0: Today, we are going to rear back a bit and continue to talk about marriage. Of course, that is, again, one of our um, main hitting points here for this ministry, because your first ministry should be the family, um, and it's God ordains first ministry as is, is your family. So, married men, parents, children, you are a Christian, that is your first ministry, congratulations, you are a ministry leader the very moment that you become saved and become a Christian. So, before we get started in this lesson, which I am taking a lot of my lesson notes from the book called Counseling Through Your Bible Handbook by June Hunt. I would recommend that everybody check this book out. And if not, if it's a bit hard for you to understand, that's okay. It does go... Into very much detail. Granted, I have the gift of exhortation, so I have 100% belief uh, that God uh, helps me get through materials such as this like a hot knife through butter. Um, And that is of no boasting of myself, but I give every bit of that glory to God um, because this stuff is very hard to understand. Um, However, God gives me the the intellect for lack of better words to be able to break this down. So before we start I actually just want to say you know, I've always known and I realized um, that marriage and the family structure has been an issue for ages. However, it seems that in the past, well, my entire lifetime, that it it has become almost of an epidemic. No, well, not almost. It is an epidemic. The divorce rate in Tennessee is so high that it is required to have marital counseling as a legality um, before you can even get married. So, I mean, to get that bad is quite. A, it's not just insulting, but it's. It's kind of embarrassing, you know, to, to believe that marriage or uh, divorce is so rampant that not only is, do you have to sign a legal contract, but as part to sign that legal contract, you have to literally be taught how to be married to somebody. I'm 100% belief that with the rise of uh, national mental health decline, um, as well as, uh, much more faithlessness, and, uh, the more we push God out of our society, the worse these things, ha- uh, deepen, but it had, it had recently struck me that, um, even me being a divorcee myself, how close to home marital conflict and issues really hit, um, And it wasn't until today that I truly realized that it really is as bad. As bad as I had believed. And with this, you guys, my intent and and my work for this ministry is is doubling. Um, I am conjoining the men's ministry alongside the family ministry. There is no separation. If you're going to be a man of God... Let's do this in front of your family. Um, Let's help each other. Let's admit to our faults in front of our wives and children. Uh, This is important. And um, even some of the most spirit I mean, I have uh, mentors of my own um, that I've seen go through these hardships. And that's not to say that marriage is easy. It's not. However... It is truly hard to wrap your mind around something to where someone has been married for 40-something years and then all of a sudden they get a divorce, and it makes very little sense. Uh, People do change. um, However, changes can be made for good so long as that motive continues to be Jesus. Um, So long as we have Christ, no matter how much we change, so long as we don't walk away from Him and become abusive, war mongering fools um, which if we're following Jesus' way (laughs) guaranteed not to happen Um, if we do do this the right way and continue to do this the right way then granted our marriages can really be something to behold Uh, so God's pattern for marriage is rather simple and it was established at the beginning. Um, There is the separation of the man and woman uh, from their original family unit, which can be both sometimes difficult and quite a blessing. Um, There is the unity, the bonding, so to speak, of a man and his wife Yes, a man and woman, nothing more. And in the spiritual aspect, but as well as physical, man and woman become one flesh. So many people have difficulty understanding this. When you become one flesh, it's not per se that God sees you as now one person, but he does group you as a unit. And though... We need to have our own individual walks with Christ because Christ is actually our first, um, our first love and our truly only love. Um, when we marry another, we are simply borrowing it. We are simply enjoying something that God has ordained for our lives uh, and enjoying it as He would wish, or at least I would hope so for all of you listening. But, granted, we know the majority of the time that that is not case. Uh, another stage of, or a pathway, so to speak, of God's pattern for marriage is intimacy. That's not just sex. It's emotional intimacy, um, being transparent, being honest, and even in frustration disappointments and depression um, revealing unmet needs past trauma, current trauma uh, praying together and praying for each other and sharing what God is doing in your lives now let's look at the purposes for marriage so we have partnership, parenting and pleasure those are your three, your three amigos there better way i could have said it but this was being recorded live and i can't stop it so (laughs) so three amigos we're gonna roll with it so partnership obviously um being alone is never fun even though we have god by our side we are never to forsake being amongst other christians one of those other christians should very much be your spouse Um, another purpose in marriage is to be fruitful and it is to bless the world with children, and, and parent them, and raise them, and, and bring them up in the word of the Lord, and of course, pleasure, it's, uh, quite a special gift, uh, to you, and your spouse, um, it will cause you to have self-control, to be able to serve one another, um, and quite frankly God made us right in all the right places and we should be able to freely enjoy that um, through God's blessing marriage is is a part of that blessing and so when we look at these these very very basic foundational building blocks there are other things that that are mixed in between the cement but God is a chiseler, and chiseling is hard work. Sometimes more breaks off than what you intended. Oftentimes the rock isn't wet enough, or the tool needs a little bit of sharpening, but God makes everything perfect in His time. However, we have issues in marriage and and this isn't a well if you didn't do this right then you're obviously going to have issues no you're gonna mess up buddy you're gonna screw up and it's coming for you and if it ain't today my friend it's probably tomorrow but it isn't the mess-ups that break a marriage it's the character that each of us have not just towards one another but in our walk in Christ a real immature Christian compared to a mature Christian those divorce rates are much higher compared to the mature yeah no, that's not always true um, for even the mature can, can fall and fail in their marriage just as much as an immature can however the mature understands more of the, the theology of it and more of the um, More of those cement pieces in between the basic building blocks. And though it seems that we have our basic building blocks, when we get married and we take our first step into the fray of domestic bliss, we still will find ourselves failing even though it's a very, very basic concept. And the reason why it's so difficult is because we are sinful creatures in nature. We've made a vow as sinful creatures to never be selfish, but always be sacrificial. We promise to be there, right there with each other, no matter the hardship, no matter the pain, no matter how rich, no matter how poor. Because in the moment, we're feeling that little flutter that we feel in our heart when we See our wife in her very best because I'm telling you, the next morning she's going to have curlers in her hair and her, her eye, eye makeup is going to be smeared everywhere, and her lipstick will not no longer be on her lips but everywhere on the pillow. And quite honestly, if you did it right on you, um, and <laughs> forgive me, um, I'm just being honest, um, and you too will look like a mess. So. We're we're very much enjoying that day where she looks like she's something out of a fantasy tale. Uh in quite quite some way it is such a fantasy because all of that glamour and gold and jewelry and dangly this is and that's it's, it's it doesn't it's not enough to cover up the sin. It's not enough to cover up the selfish desire that we have in our hearts. Now after hearing me say all this, you're like, I don't want to get married, and that's not the way to look at it, the point is, is that marriage is ordained by God, correct, and therefore it must reflect God in its behavior, if it does not, then it becomes a little straddled, it becomes a little shaken, and then keeps going down this rocky path and God has made our path very straight though narrow, straight sometimes we end up falling off the carriage and then whether it's the wife driving or the husband the wife usually ends up back in the carriage back and forth right over their husband as they fell off and I said that as a joke but I'm also very very serious because men and women are made differently and, and it would seem that oftentimes in today's culture with our society and things like that that women do tend to gain much of an upper advantage over men which is quite not necessarily strange but remember we're supposed to be fair and this is today is the pinnacle of humanity and um social structure, and things like that, which obviously isn't true, but men are also not held to necessarily a standard of responsibility either, um, so both men and women are held to a standard of, it's okay to be irresponsible, um, but whatever the woman decides to do, the man is going to have to pay for it. Now, biblically, that is a there is a bit of truth to that. Um, but I, I digress. Um, my my whole point in that is we tend to look at things from a legalistic standpoint, and we are looking at it from the way Jesus looks at it. Um, the way God sees it is you two are equals but different jobs different purposes Um, if I have a sealing rig I can't get my rig there without my truck I can't seal the driveway if I don't have the proper chemicals and materials in order to do it I can't do anything if I don't have the, the man labor to do it marriage is often in the same way you now, if you don't remember me talking a long time ago about a wedge. There is a wedge between a man and a woman. But that wedge isn't a wedge to be used for separation, but instead be used as a bridge. We are all stubborn. We have a great fear of rejection. Um... We're always defensive of our actions because we feel that when we do them, we're justified. And even when we regret them, uh, later on, we have too much pride to admit that we were wrong. Nobody is perfect. And one of the biggest marriage killers is apathy. Which, in a sense, is not displaying any type of love making, no affection, not even uh, recognition of your presence, it happens so much because we get so caught in the daily life that, that we're focused on what we're doing on our own, let alone whether our family's involved or not, all of these types of marriages are, at least what this book describes it as, the make believe marriage. Which is, we are super smiley, holding hands, walking into church type thing, but we are not that way deep, deep down. And we have way too much expectations for our spouse, not enough for ourselves. And then you have the maladjusted marriage, which is experiencing uh, sexual difficulties, uh, Frigidity means fearfulness, false guilt, sexual abuse, psychological problems. This is exactly what I'm talking about in today's um, mental um, degradation as a society. A few years ago, you know, it started with gay marriage, and now we're having litter boxes and classes for kids who believe that they were born a squirrel uh, or something of the sort. And other things that include uh, maladjusted marriages impatience or just insensitivity um, whether it's being to your spouse's feelings or their desires, thoughts or even ideas even if you think the idea is stupid it's not good to say that it's stupid uh, impatience um, that's pretty self-explanatory infidelity which is just a branch of selfishness. That's adultery, pornography, um, really delving into anything, even emotionally. um, Grazing on another person's kindness. uh, External to your marriage. And then you have uh, fatigue, uh, which is, uh, in today's society, another huge, huge landmark um, in a maladjusted marriage and one that's steadily failing. And it's because of busyness, uh, as well as being more committed to everything else other than your wife, family, and Jesus. Not in that order. And then there's anger or bitterness, which comes from unforgiveness and possibly a little bit of uh, manipulation. Maladjusted marriages, and I'm reading here through the book's strict definition, which I apologize for the clear pauses. I've got a lot of um, heartburn tonight. Maladjusted marriages fail to experience the unique expression of physical oneness as an act of love god's design is that both partners yield their bodies to one another true sexual fulfillment comes through seeking to provide pleasure to the other the bible says that the husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife and likewise the wife to her husband the wife's body does not belong to her alone boom people stop reading right there and get mad and close their bible but read on but also to her husband in the same way the husband's body does not belong to him alone but also to his wife that's 1 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 3 through 4 now we have the mixed up marriage which is conflict on everything parental responsibilities and duties religious beliefs marital commitments um, opposing friends even morals Um, these type of marriages produce a sense of one-upping each other, uh, a lot of criticism, a lot of um, manipulation, a lot of power-tripping, and, of course, criticism, as well as an increased level of um, intensity, uh, of, of tension, Uh, in the marriage Um, basic values such as these things which I'm telling you that doesn't mean a marriage cannot work but if you are married to somebody who not only believes what you believe but doesn't agree with how you what your outlook is for being a parent doesn't have the same levels of commitment to your marriage or did not believe such things about marriage as you did, let's say they are Muslim and you're a Christian. God says marriage ought to be this, and the Muslim husband that you just married says he's free to marry another wife. That was not the same thing. First of all, I don't mean to offend. but if you in or if you are in such a type of relationship, that I'm sorry. Um, but to have even such basic principles of a marriage in question totally all the time but not just that but trying to convert and convince one another that is tough and quite frankly I am unsure as to how you got to the point with that person to marry but it happens Philippians chapter 2 verse 2 says make my joy complete by being like-minded having the same love being one spirit and purpose being one in spirit and purpose which is huge." and granted excuse me you have your financial struggled marriage I think we all are there but financial struggle is never an indicator of marital ruin not even close because I'm telling you right now today I spent money on something that I should or possibly could have used that money later that I did not foresee that should never be a reason for me and my spouse to get upset with each other that's a very very real life thing. however with the financially troubled marriage it's more of who's in control, what's spent on what, and how often money is spent, and really who has the right to be spending it. Money, unfortunately, is the lifeblood of America. Money is not evil. The love of it is, but money itself is not do have to pay for services or products rendered. That's just a common commodity of life. Therefore, something as common as something every day, whether you're married or single, should not be something that's fought about. However, it should be something that's deeply concerning, or to cause, or to be cause for a judgment on such things. And let me clarify, so you two need to be equal on or at least mostly equal on how things ought to be done you may have a wife who's always like i'm tired of working let's just go on a little mini vacay and then you've got the husband who says no i we need a new vehicle i don't want to go on a vacation anyway i'd rather save up 200 dollars right now to be able to do that well granted you know that's there comes compromise, but in the, in the process of pursuing compromise, we often get conflict as the actual end result, the best thing to do if you two cannot agree, do something with that money that you can both agree on, something that I've wanted to do, I say this carefully, my ex-spouse and maybe whoever I was married with always wanted to hold uh, my son's own fund, which a portion out of the paycheck goes straight to a bank account or a piggy bank of that nature for him to use on the day that he turns 18. So, let's say, at the time, me and my ex-spouse are let's just theoretically say my current spouse, um, are fighting because I really, really would like to have that new TV. We are using a used, very old box TV from Grandma's house that she uh, left after she passed away. It's funny that we argue about TV. There's much worse things in the world. But I'm just using an example. I want to use $200 to just get a more upgraded TV. You know, I want to be able to watch Casting Crown's music videos on (laughs) my living room big screen. Rather than watching it on my phone using a magnifying glass to be able to project it on the wall. Because the TV at this point is completely busted. And then my wife says... "Mm, I don't know, I've been really looking at these pair of wedges, Uh, I've been really, really wanting for about a year now, and I see that this is really an opportunity for me to be able to indulge and buy those wedges. Now the man and women are faced with two choices. (laughs) Forgive me for this, but... As, a, as, a, as from a man's perspective, let's honestly say that the money, the money can always have better use. but you know how life works. I don't know about you, but making the wife happy does have its, that's a good card to play anyway. <laughs> I know that from experience, but I know that from also every other married man that I've talked to. So that's already one point on your side second point is not only will the wife be happy but she'll be clopping around with some new wedges which will look nice that's that's another win-win that's two points but then again that TV really does suck so weigh your options here. Is it that important for you to have a TV? Or is it important for you to have a wife who is taking care of herself and is instead dressing in a way that is very pleasing to your eye? Um, So there are ways to work it out. There are plenty of ways to look at it. Um, That never should lead into a fight, and even if you you should want to have uh, a new TV, granted, you and your wife should be able to discuss it in a way and say, hey look, your wages can come another day, maybe I can just buy these, these look almost exactly identical, I don't think we need to spend $200 on that, and you may just come up to a better idea saying, but you also really don't need to be spending $200 on a TV where all you do is watch your music videos and nothing else. Good point there, too. So, you should never leave until fights. However, things such as this should be um, highly considered because the wrong financial decisions can very well lead your family into some rough times. Enough on the finances. (laughs) Now we have a a misaligned marriage. Now this is for more of the definite Christian spouse, the, the, um, we're looking at more of the cement type things. Now, granted, the building blocks was to be a parent, uh, for unity between man and woman and for sexual pleasure, okay? There's your building blocks. Three little Lego blocks. Just put those in your brain. Well, God don't deal with Legos, even though Legos can be hard to pull apart sometimes. Wherever God builds, He's not going to build it with just Legos, but He's going to put cement and glue, it super glue, and everything else in between there, because that's how God is. But a misaligned marriage could be failure of, of the wife or the husband, such as being financially financially responsible, making good decisions, um, seeking to solve problems rather than ignoring them, uh, being attentive his kids, um, to his wife's desires and needs, and being a spiritual leader in general, uh, maybe the wife is a very brute of a woman, maybe she throws her weight around and is yappy and just doesn't stop, <laughs> always trying to control her husband and, and always being involved in one upping him and being the woman and, and being the puppy dog kind of thing, women need enjoys things such as that because it's it's common in our culture Um, sometimes our wives withdraw from us sexually emotionally God made a man sexually uh, apt so that he comes to his wife and in that moment they can both share an emotional and and physical time Um, and one of the biggest ones sarcasm being bitter and holding grudges, that is, and and that's not just for women, I say that for both men and women, if you want to kill your marriage, make a list of everything that they've done wrong, put it in your head, and as soon as you wake up, to the very moment you go to bed at night, go over it, and if you want to make it even worse, go over it in front of them. God's design is, and this is what the book says, these, these words I'm fixing to read here are not exactly my words. Just, I don't want to be sued or anything. So it says, God's design is for the husband to feel significant through providing for his family and receiving the respectable, keyword, love of his wife. He fulfills her need to feel secure through his love, acceptance, and sensitivity to her desires. Let's read Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 through 23, and verse 25. It says, Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. is so important. It is a self problem is is when we outsource and look for new foods to try. That doesn't mean that there are not things that you can do to spice up your marriage life. There are not things that you can do such as go to a vacation in the Bahamas and realize that your wife looks prettier in a sundress by the palm tree rather than she does there in Mon- uh, Montana. I don't know. Yeah, whatever. Massachusetts, whatever you want. Uh, next to a bunch of geese in a Frozen Pond. Um, <laughs> even simple things like that need to re- really realize how beautiful my wife is. Um, when that, that sand is just glaring on her skin and etc. And I'm not kidding, y'all are laughing at me right now, but, but realizations like that do happen. But one day your wife comes home with a new hairstyle, and you look at her and you say, "That's gonna be um, your new thing." Granted, you're not, you can't just control her like that, but you get what I'm saying. I want to highlight <clears throat> the word "significant" for a man. What is man's greatest desire? Is to prove himself. He wants the world to see that he is a man. It doesn't matter who tells him that he is. It means nothing unless the woman that has pledged herself to him for life says that he is. A good man that is. The people that we take care of every day, and a man is supposed to be and kind. We want to know that everything that we do is seen, and what we are doing is worth our time. And we don't feel appreciated or respected, then everything else falls away. God made us that way. And women desire to feel secure. And you challenge that security. Time, raise your hand at her, get in her face, cuss her out, scream and yell at her, she no longer feels secure. And guess what, buddy? In return, you're not going to get respect, you're not going to receive significance or affirmation from her because the only thing you're going to see is tears. Not only have you ruined her security. But now she's bitter. Now she may not hate you. This, this is not the side of you that she expects. This isn't the side of you that she loves and knows. She's fearful. In a swift decision to let the flesh speak before the Holy Spirit, you have now caused fear. Strife and insecurity in your spouse and your wife who by nature are already highly insecure especially in a culture where women are expected to look so profoundly perfect and in a world where men are being puppy-dogged and waxed and oiled up and things like that and true men and and those guys are the ones that are sitting on top of the world The true men us with back hair and butt hair and things like that but we're crying and carrying our wives and children on our backs we're seeing none of it and I don't mean that as if we shouldn't take pride in our appearance because we definitely should we need to be like not be a disgusting pig for our spouse but that's beside, besides the point what the world says a man is what the world says a woman is is not what God says a woman is It's not what God says a man is a man isn't judged by how he looks he isn't, he's only judged by his behavior his dedication to God and his God should be his wife first, and then his wife. When, when woman's God, when Jesus is ahead of woman's heart, he is her husband first, and then it is her fleshly husband. Does that make sense? And so if Jesus. God, the creator of all things, and the one who ordained your marriage, gives you the tools and the, the manual of how to do it right. It would make complete and total sense to come to the creator of that product rather than go to somebody who claims that they have a hobby. There's no greater expert than the developer publisher and creator of something so what are the common causes other than the ones I've spoken of broken marriages we have unrealistic expectations and we believe as As the book writes here, many enter marriage expecting personal payoffs. Mm -hmm. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 15 states that see to it that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. So what does that mean? Uh, We expect marriage will always provide everything that we require. Whether it's 100% acceptance and love. Um rescue from present circumstances, financial security, um, no more loneliness, opportunity to change a maid's behavior. But when these unrealistic expectations are unfulfilled, many spouses say life is too short to live like this. We'll both be happier apart. This was not a marriage made in heaven uh we should have never married i've tried everything our situation is hopeless you'll never change everybody's getting divorced marriage doesn't matter anymore i've even said that myself you guys um it's better for the children if i leave to protect them from the arguing i'll never be happier but i'll try to stay until the children are grown. instead of living with unrealistic expectations regarding the things that you do not have be grateful for God for what you do have uh, first this this sorry guys I have a bit of a stutter first Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 18 says give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus so what unique longings do husbands and wives have now I'm actually reading this part directly from the book says, although everyone has three God-given inner needs for love, significance, and security, God designed the husband to have a greater need for significance, while the wife is uniquely created with a deeper need of security. A crucial element in the marriage relationship is becoming aware of your partner's desires and learning to meet them creatively. Philippians chapter 2, verse 4 says, Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also the interests of others. Now, I'm going to stop here, and we're going to continue this um, in the next podcast episode. But the main thing I want to highlight before we get into this, put this away really, is the fact that some of us even may have unique needs ones that are not particularly listed or are going to be listed here um, in this next podcast. Some of those needs will be handicap needs. And for those who struggle with significant mental decline, those needs are going to be a lot higher than somebody who's fairly healthy all the way around. Some of us have certain personality quirks that we have to, uh, to work around. Sometimes the husband is <clears throat> very explorative and the wife is not so much. Um, sometimes the husband is not very emotional to begin with, but a woman needs that emotion. And so it's a constant work in progress, but a necessary work in progress for him to change to be better than that. So we all do have our own quirks and our own issues that we all have to work out with fear and uh, long suffering, which is to say, patience. There's so much to life. sometimes it can be overbearing. But if we can just focus for a moment on the basics, build life up. And if you have to do it every day, so be it. But the moment you wake up, just think about kissing your wife first thing every day. Not about what clothes you want to wear or whatever. I understand you have to prepare for the work day. But even your job is temporary. Your job can replace you next week. The fire can replace you next week soaking your wife but that's a much bigger hit not only do you want to reflect God in your job but we want to reflect God in our marriage as well your wife does mean 10 to the 10,000th time more than your workplace does also your children So let's say you are not a very emotional person. Force yourself. And don't just do it for your spouse but say, Lord, I do this in servitude for her in your name. Hug her in the morning, brush her hair, give her one big kiss and say, I love you. That can change the tide. That can change the course. Of your marriage forever. You ever heard of the butterfly effect? Now, granted, it is a philosophy of sorts. However, there is a bit of truth to it, in which that there are um, there are consequences for your actions. Sometimes, not immediate at all, but way down in the future. To think how one kiss, hug, and a one I love you can change the future forever for your marriage when that very moment she could have been considering for three months to divorce you considering you are so apathetic and do not give her enough attention. Now, guys, um, that is so important to to look out for and I know I tend to blabber and hit on the same subjects over and over I know that I tend to do that but there's a reason why I don't apologize for it as much is because apparently not enough of us get it including myself guys marriage is tough but it doesn't have to be hard our walk with Christ can be tough that it doesn't have to feel impossible. Our relationships with our boss, our co-workers, our, our, our pastor can be trying but it doesn't have to feel never ending. There's always way out and there's always a solution and there is always a recipe to fix something before it's broken God gives you the tools to make your life what it is even in the face of things that are out of your complete and total control and guess what when you do fail when you let it get so bad that it does fall apart, God says, Let me handle it. He may choose to fix it, he may let it stay in ruin. But then take those that you destroyed in the process and even yourself, he will later restore into a better version. Or maybe he will restore what was broken to begin with, whether it's your relationship with your mother, or your son, or a, a wife, or, or a brother, God is in the business of restoration, he invented it, the CEO of restoration, that's Jesus right there he will teach you restoration not by snapping his fingers and fixing the problem it takes action on one or both parties to say look destruction evil isn't the answer to evil you don't repay evil with evil one act of good can cover a multitude of sins that one kiss and one I love you means 10,000 times more than your short-temperedness or the time that you got upset because your wife got blueberry syrup instead of maple syrup and by goodness you just couldn't eat the daggum waffles and you hurt her feelings so guys pray about it reach out to me I will pray with you we've got to got to got to get this fixed as a community as a community of Paris, Tennessee we've got to do better every person I've met is divorced at least twice that's not to say that they're a failure but guys from the first marriage God said here's the tools from the second marriage God said here's the tools we can do this and the reason we can is because he can. Alone we can't. As soon as we get that through our thick skulls, mine included, not only will life in the midst of unending chaos, will you find peace, but you will also find joy. And that joy comes from serving God serving others in jesus name whether that's rubbing your wife's feet after a long day of work or your husband has a sore throat so you get him a a lozenge it's the simple things so with that you guys i pray and i hope with all my heart that those who have listened have truly learned something today Uh, please stay tuned for the next episode I promise you it will be worth it. I promise, I promise. Sometimes I know I can be hard to listen to, but if you bear with me, there's so much to be learned here. God would not give it to me and not put it on my heart to speak if it did not have any fruit to bear. With that being said, I love each and every one of you that is listening. If you are not a part of the men's group, it is actually now... Formed into men slash family group, it's going to be together, um, and we meet at six thirty at Sweet Jordan's every uh, last Monday of the month. So, I just um, I wanted to invite those maybe who are listening and aren't a part of it, please give it a try. Slowly growing, very slowly, but indeed we are growing. And I know God's got big plans. So, I'll be praying for you. I'll be praying for the ministry. Pray for the ministry yourself. If those of you that are listening are involved in the ministry, please pray for me. Um, Life has been rather crazy. Uh, So, I would appreciate your prayers. Uh, I hope everyone has a wonderful day, morning, night, whenever you're listening to this. I will see you in the next episode. Hello, Livingstone Ministry, and welcome to another podcast episode. Um, This is a continuance of the building block, marriage building blocks uh, episode, and it's actually going to be very short because I didn't realize how little we had left to cover. It's been quite a hiatus that I've taken ever since getting COVID and a few other large life changes, but... Here I am bringing you the other part of the episode. Alright. So continuing where we left off. And it's talking about the... Part where... How do wives fulfill their husbands' desires? Well, for one... And this is one of the biggest ones... Is that your husband wishes to be admired. He wishes to be... Sought after. You know, treated as if he is highly unique and very, very special. Um, This is including telling him everything that he means to you and how much you appreciate all of his hard work. Um, Appreciate and tell him how much, or how much you are honored by him, taking up the mantle and being a Christian, godly husband and father. Um, Another one of those building blocks is being able to create a peaceful home atmosphere, which is maintain grace in not only the way you behave, but in the way that you create an environment around the home. you know it's 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 difficult, you know, coming home to a home where a woman is contentious and is you know just finding any way or any excuse to you know not give you any sort of attention or um, to just put this this huge wedge in between herself and her husband it it can create so many issues and that's one thing that men are really centered around is, is you know how how do we feel in this environment you know we may not make it clear but one thing's for sure we pick up on more than what some women probably think we do another one of those building blocks is companionship this is even if you hate fishing go with them um Talk about what your husband does for a living. Talk about his interests and hobbies, and, and basically just just show that you're wanting to know more about him and searching for any and every way for you to to get closer. And there's attractiveness. Now, before <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> before you cut my head off. We're not talking about outward appearance. Not at all. Inner beauty. Inner strength. Those two things matter 10,000 times more than what the outside looks like. The reason why that is is because it doesn't matter how pretty you are today. 60 years from now, you're probably, well, it's not just a probably. You're not going to look the same. And that that outward beauty fades, but your heart, you know, so long as you take good care of it and is led by the Lord, can remain wise and youthful all of its life. And that's something that you can still express deep, deep down inside, whereas your body around you will begin to fail you, but your soul and your heart remain. And that inner strength, you know, shows a woman's resolve. It's, it's about taking those marriage vows very seriously. It doesn't matter how tough things get, but a woman with, an inner, with inner beauty has an inner strength. And they continue to fight regardless of circumstance. And the last building block for the females are sexual fulfillment um, which is important for men um, and it's not so much as whether or not they get it it's whether or not you communicate it that is asking to um, sit down and talk about you know your sexual desires or um, just taking a moment and telling your husband how he is affectionately adequate. These matter m- more to men, or at least good men, anyway, than the initial act itself. Because they want to know <coughs> that they're doing a good job to please you. So I have not a, um... Scripture reference for each of those um, main points. For admiration, we go to Proverbs chapter 31, verse 23. For domestic support, there's Proverbs chapter 31, verse 27. For companionship, Mark 10, verse 8. Attractiveness, inner beauty. Proverbs chapter 31, verse 25. Sexual fulfillment, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 4 through 5. Now we're going to talk about the husband's part of it. Number one, and this is a big one for women, affection, hugs, kisses, flowers, gifts, chocolates, especially chocolate. Tell her how much you mean to her. Take time out of the day while she's running around doing chores and wrap your arms around her and lay your head on her shoulder and just say first of all I'll take care of the rest of this you take the you take the night off And I just want to say I, I appreciate how much you do for this family and how much I love you and then give her like I don't know some Russell Stover's or something like that <laughs> I mean that's that is how it, it works and however you express that is, is how you should should do it I mean of course appeal to her love language you know maybe she's not big on gifts maybe she's more of a um, touchy feely type person well advocate for that switch up your, your usual um, actions and how you do that and then we have communication which is Listening, not just listening to hear, but listening to learn, listening to listen. Um, that takes you putting down your book or your phone or whatnot and leaning in and looking into her eyes and going, Uh huh, yep. And even if you don't understand, don't tell her that you don't understand and you would like for her to help make it easier for you to understand. That shows that you're listening. It's listening with that concern and that interest in what's going on. But whilst you're listening, say, you know what, that's what I really like about you. You know, that's the way you think. You know, that's that's a wonderful trait. Compliment her even as you're listening. Um, give her positive character traits attention. And especially... Here's, here's the payoff to that. Not that that should be your first concern, but the payoff for that is the more people learn about the good things that they do and their good qualities and how much their family appreciates it, the more, A, that they're not going to feel upset with themselves, but, two, the more that they are going to work on those qualities and the more that they are going to therefore improve and display those qualities more your third point is honesty that's total truthfulness even if it is painful it's sharing true thoughts feelings and desires Plain and simple and then you have your fourth one which is financial security we as men do shoulder the financial responsibility and one of the most important things that we can do for our spouses and our children is setting and preparing a budget plan for the future you want to be able to make sure that you know you may not make very much money at all but if you have something at least something to help out after you die that shows that you really do care about your family even if it's just a family heirloom that is is, is exceeding in price, and it is beautiful and, and it's able to to market a good good amount of money, you know, even if that's all you have, setting aside something for your family for them to survive after anything were to happen. That shows great consideration for your family and your child your well, your wife and children in general. And last but not least, commitment. <laughs> I feel that, you know, this is something that shouldn't be as much of an issue as it is. But apparently it is. When it comes to commitment, that isn't just, you know, hanging around your wife. That's just not about staying with her. But commitment is the same thing that you uh, pronounce to her whenever you marry her. And she to you, of course. But, it's making her your highest earthly priority. Commitment is saying, I will think about you, I will work for you, I will do whatever it takes to make you happy. I will do whatever it takes to make you feel fulfilled. And it, and it's as simple as that. It's not just about not cheating. It's not just about, you know, oh, I'm committed to you because I stay married to you. That should be good enough. It's not. You know, I could tell somebody that I love them every single day, and that can only go so far. But if I bully them or, you know, I say I love them, but then again... I don't take any time out of my day or week to even express that love. Because, you know, actions do mean more than words. Then that I love you is sorely going to turn into something where you're like, yeah, hmm I know you do. And we don't want it to turn into that. The both of you you never lose their commitment it is a promise it is to your mate and your marriage and it is so much more than romantic love that covenant that you make isn't just before witnesses and each other but it's before God too hosea chapter 2 verse 19 says I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you in righteousness and justice and love and compassion. that's, That's God to us. Well, more so to the Israelites, but still, we are God's bride. And think for a moment how much God loves us. And not only what he did do, but what he continues to do for us today and everything that is in his word, his giant book of love letters, (coughs) then that there, though being human, it's difficult for us to accomplish being that perfect, it still nevertheless should be a goal to be the best that we can be and that's the key waking up every morning saying I don't feel 100% and boy I sure am mad at him or I sure am mad at her today but I tell you this despite how I feel I should be able at the end of the day to get on both of my knees and wash his feet or I should be able to you know grab her as I'm coming in the door after work and give her a kiss even though I don't feel it. It's the action consideration because that there is the love that lasts. That love is which exists for those couples who have been together for 70 years. The ones that you see on Facebook and TikTok all the time. So, if you want a marriage that lasts truly till death do you part learn to love less with your feelings and learn to love more with knowledge in what God teaches us to do. Because hanging up on that cross wasn't a wonderful feeling in the least. But he still did it because he knew that it would save us. Because he knew his purpose of being there was the whole purpose that he came was to die for us the whole purpose in which you marry somebody is to die to yourself and raise them up higher than you if that's something that you have yet to realize or grasp do yourself, your spouse and your future children a favor walk away from marriage until you can get that part figured out Your scripture references for how husbands fill their wife's desires. For affection, we have Song of Solomon, chapter 1, verse 2, and chapter 2, verse 6. For communication, we have Ephesians, chapter 4, verse 29. For honesty, Proverbs, chapter 24, verse 26. For financial security, it'd be 1 Timothy, chapter 5, verse 8. And lastly, commitment, which is Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4. I really appreciate all of your guys' support, as always. I thank you so much for even taking the time to um, listen to this podcast and, and, and give me a chance to, to to do what God has called me to do. And I will see you guys in the next episode. Thank you. Welcome everybody Living Stone Ministry. Today I've come with a actually very special episode. uh, And I pray and hope that this is going to be a continual thing. And my my friend here, Michael, doesn't, you know, find excuses and things like that not to show up. Of course, I'm just kidding. Today we're out here sitting in his yard and talking about Jesus, talking about wives and marriage and things like that. And uh, we figured it would be an amazing thing to share with you guys have a little bit of intimate conversation with two christian brothers outside of a church setting granted right now as we speak and sit we are the church with that being said let's get started
1: hopefully the audio quality is well enough. Ugh.
0: so anyway talking about wives and whatnot uh yeah what would be without them but what would our wives be without us
1: you know it's what would we be without Jesus? It's just true. We'd be lost. But as you said, um,
0: the reflection. I, I was, I was riding with, uh, with Deanna, and uh, I said, you know, you'd, you'd be surprised that, that, that everything reflects back to God, even though the world's cursed his beauty still cannot be contained in, in what we have and I said you know that sexual desire itself is our is, is God's love how much he pulls to, uh, to us and that you know even a sexual thing in her eyes kind of got big and I said but it is when a man and a woman share their bodies with each other that that's the kind of love that Jesus
1: has for us why did God create Eve because it was not good for man to be alone. Because it was not good for man to be alone, right? Precisely. Eve and Adam, before their fall, populated the earth, Mm -hmm. okay? Part of the curse was that her childbearing pain was increased. Precisely. It wasn't a, you're going to start bearing children and you're going to have pain. It's your childbearing pain is going to increase. Therefore, there was already in the presence of perfection that sexual attraction mm-hmm. between Adam and Eve. Which is a wholly beautiful thing. But Granted, it was different than what it is now. Right. If you even look at it, and we've
0: had this discussion before, for those evolutionists that are out there, you know, there is no biological i don't want to say purpose but it would make no sense for if if you know the evolutionist god which they call natural selection you're still believing in something that you cannot see or experience granted my god i've experienced quite a bit i've watched him work before my very eyes so you're telling me that a cell grew an einstein brain and said hold it what if me and my bros kind of like hold hands and we all just start to form something. Mind you a cell who has a nucleus who's basically intelligence wise is eat, reproduce die. That's it. Exactly. And I mean um, even Einstein himself said the more I try to disprove God the more I find reasons that he's here. Absolutely. But there is no evolutionary benefit to having pain whilst having children exactly what benefit would that have and if we came from fish I would like to have my fins back because quite honestly me and my big belly have a hard time swimming not floating but swimming I float quite well myself (laughs) so you know it's and I can go on about this for hours but it's and like I was explaining earlier you know I was extremely defiant to God I used to flip off the sky and any time anybody had said anything about God, I'd roll my eyes and I'd say, oh, look at me, I believe in a big white bearded man in the sky. You realize how stupid that looks, how stupid you are, how dumb that sounds? And now I know it's
1: just, I don't think he has white hair at all. Well, still, see, that's like the Jesus. point there. I was fixing to say, you know how stupid that sounds? That even as a Christian to say, I believe in a big white bearded guy yeah. in the sky? Yeah. Why do we anticipate God to be an old man with a big white beard? Why do we anticipate that? Well, you wanna hear my answer? The Bible says that the day is coming when the the veil of the mystery is going to be lifted. Mm -hmm. And we will see Jesus as he really is. You know, the only reason we look at God or Jesus as the way they are in the paintings is because of the way jesus was when he was here Correct. that was not god that was not the form of god that was god in a form that we would recognize Mm -hmm. because if god really showed us what he looked like in our state our minds would not conceive it just like in class when we spoke about um parables why jesus taught me parables dumb it
0: down for me jesus if we ever tried to understand and it's still complicated. But the gospel is simple enough for children to understand. Exactly. Now you know, you want yeah. to be this theological scholar
1: you know, which we are. Of course. Of course. <laughs> uh, of course. So, you know, take our advice. don't don't look it up for yourselves, just trust what we say. That's right. That's a lie, don't take that seriously. That's right. I got my theology uh <laughs> degree out of a cracker jack box. Right, so exactly. Yeah. But
0: um, you know when you see true like when, they see, when you actually look at an angel some of those angels that what i believe isaiah saw that's terrifying
1: oh yes uh, i mean that's something out of a metal uh, 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 a rock metal album or whatever yeah i mean it's straight up lovecraft that right there i mean you look at everything uh what did isaiah say in isaiah six Well, first of all he's terrified he was terrified. He also said that he was unworthy to be in that presence mm-hmm. because he had unclean lips. Yeah. In this form, we're all unclean. I don't care how saved you get. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't care how long you were held under when you were being baptized. That does not. Do does anything. not save you. It does not save you. Let me get that right. Baptism does not save anybody because if it did. We as Christians could charge the gates of hell with water guns full of holy water and we could save them all, but we can't do that. That was the case. Take a bath. And Here you're you good. Go. You but check. you're not. You know, but in that presence, I mean, like you said, the description of the angels that Isaiah said he saw. The things that Ezekiel saw. The things that John saw. John said, "I saw the one who looked like the image of the Son of Man," right. and he fell that's as cool. a dead man. You want to lay him down, Jeremy's bed? Is it cool if we do that, Mike? Yeah, him? that's cool. Let
0: well, that little Tristan take a nap. Don't take a Yeah, you're I'm outside, Bubba. I'm outside. Buff, huh? I'm Oh inside? Yeah, you can go inside. We'll be done we'll be done in just a moment, Dan. I promise
1: you. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Gotta love the little ones. Yeah. As you were saying, Michael. But the things that they saw, John's vision, you know, I fell as a dead man. Because he could not look upon the glory of God. Because it was too great for him to understand. And even the, God said himself, you know, you're gonna to have to look at my backside. Moses, when he saw God walking away, he just saw the backside of God. His face glowed not only in the dark, but it glowed in the daylight because of the Shekinah glory of God. Mm-hmm. That was that's awesome. How can we even come close to imagining what it could be to be like that? We can't. But exactly. So in that we have to be
0: taught in picture books Ah. like little kids dumb it down for me Jesus exactly I can't understand this but with that being said though we are ignorant stupid sheep children there is it's very serious as well it's like a picture book on on how to survive a Bigfoot attack you know it's like it's like you know it, it, it may be dumbed down for us but it's also everything that matters. I mean, Michael, demons know who we belong to, and they know our name. That's right. Who was it? What was it? Help me try to remember. I believe the disciples were watching a Pharisee try to cast out a demon, and he couldn't do it even though he copied the disciples exact same way, and the demon popped out, and he said, you know, with his his Coca-Cola in hand, he goes, I don't know you i know him exactly <laughs>
1: and so it's that's astounding i mean yeah, the, the demons you know when jesus goes to cast out the demon the, the demons call him by name jesus what have you to do with us and even ask for mercy if you could believe it give us mercy send us into this this hurt of swine. Anything, Just don't cast us out completely. We know you can. We know who you are. We know what you're capable of. Just let us go and we'll leave everything alone right here. I mean, think about that. But the whole faith thing. Jesus said, let the little children come to me. They said that we have to accept him with the faith of a child. It's funny that
0: God knows how ignorant we are and how fleeting we are talking
1: about heaven uh, and uh, grasping at the smoke. Hevel, heaven, everything is hell. And uh, not only does it dumb it down,
0: but he also understands how weak our faith is even when we think it's strong. Exactly. Even at that first point of salvation, I'm sure you remember how close you felt to God. So close, you felt like if you just pushed your lips out, he would kiss you.
1: Absolutely, man! I was bursting. Yeah, I, mean, I couldn't I was, hold it back. I was crying. I felt like I could spit holiness. I couldn't wait to get up off just, my yeah. knees so that I could go tell everybody that I knew mm-hmm. who I had just found. And then the sun went down, and you woke up the next day. Exactly. And just you like realized, that. Yeah.
0: And, the, and, it's, and it's and it's hard to imagine because there's days where I've prayed so fervently, as the Bible says us to do, that I was sweating, crying my face. I was eating carpet. Yeah. I had carpet and dog hair stuck to my tongue. Yeah. I was praying for murder. And that was one of those times where I was severely addicted to pornography. Yeah. At mm-hmm. the time, since that's what we were talking about before this. Right. And... I asked for God to take that feeling away from me, and for a day, He did. And then I woke up the next morning. There it is, my phone laying there, and I got this funny little idea. You know, a lot of people say too, the devil made me do it. That's not true. That's not true at all. Now, the devil can't
1: make us do anything. Now the
0: truth is, does He whisper in our ear? Absolutely. Uh-huh. Do, but whose is... choice is it to listen? Uh
1: huh. It's a. It's ours. It's ours we have that responsibility as Paul says there's a battle going on within me at all times you know Paul the father basically of the New Testament we do not battle flesh and blood but the principalities and higher powers that's right
0: and uh, and that's that's places like the White House oh yeah Catholic Church pastors absolutely every church Yes. um deacons elders absolutely youth pastors
1: I mean yes every one of it's
0: it. there and what's funny and, and and I know we're already hopping to another subject here but we had spoken of this before but being a pastor has to be the crappiest job in the world <laughs> and so many people look to yeah. become that famous guy and that's our fault it is our fault that we sit here and we lift them up now even with Pastor John of Fairview Baptist Church I, I lift him up because I know who he is as a man. I know he's just like me. He doesn't try to be anything other than himself, and he right. will tell you, "I'm a failure. I'm a fool." But I can. But there's other preachers
1: who say that too, and pastors who say that, but don't mean it. But he does. He he's does. he's genuine. He's true. Yeah. He's he's wise to understand that he's nothing. Without God. And today, what did he say?
0: He said, I'm sitting here and I'm like I'm talking to these people. and this, I'm preaching to the choir. Yeah. Because he says, I get frustrated in these people. Are like, you're stupid. Listen
1: to me. Exactly. And then
0: he goes home. Yes. And then he looks at his life and he goes, oh,
1: I'm stupid too. Exactly. I'm a sheep myself. Right. Talking about the blind leading the blind. We see, we see a
0: light, but... Because we are sheep, we kind of, something kind of smells good,
1: something's interesting, so we kind of walk over here and just foolish. Well, I mean, there's the purpose of why we're called sheep. Sheep are not very bright animals. They're very dumb animals. So it's not always a compliment that we're the sheep of the flock, but the point of that is, is that as the sheep, even for the ones who are pastors and ministry leaders and whatever you want to be without these shepherd without these shepherd you're just a dumb sheep yeah. and you were, and by the way you were before that you were before that way even before you were saved exactly we were just like the lost we were just we that we cry out to yeah. before. We knew him. I mean... I'm still a sinner. Yeah. But I'm a sinner saved by God's grace. Mm -hmm. The same God's grace that's waiting for each and every one of us. Exactly. And it is is so important.
0: I think, too, and I'm guilty of this myself, when I sin and when I do things I know I should not do. almost want to to purge well not well it's good to want to purge myself but not in a good way as if you know I when Satan tempts you to do things and you follow into it he also doesn't want to let allow you to let it go because remember what what was that story you told me years ago when I was first saved and baptized that God's judgment seat is like a courtroom yes and Jesus being our lawyer our advocate satan does have a purpose yes because he says um your honor because he even talks to god he, you know, he speaks to god he comes to god himself absolutely and he says your honor uh michael clark he does some bad stuff
1: and then god turns over and jesus says yep but um to believe to me that's right i died for him it's okay dad i've got him I'm sure that courtroom, the day
0: that there's a Christian in there, it's, it's over so quick. I'm oh, sure yeah. by the time it starts and Jesus walks in, court journey. I mean, you know, exactly. I think about that way. But in the same sense, I, something that I taught on before was that, that purging flame. Do you remember where in the Bible, though I cannot remember for the life of me, where it says, you know, Jesus is the foundation, it's what you have. It doesn't go away. But what you choose to build on top of that, doing good works for him, or bad works for the flesh. See, the flesh is that of wood and hay. And uh, think of the, okay, think of the, what was it, the three little biggies? Yeah. And the wolf comes and blows it
1: down. Yeah. Well, that's what God does to us. Exactly. Until you decide to make a house out of brick. It's all heaven. Exactly. It's all vanity. Exactly. It's a vapor, it's a smoke anything that we can put our worldly faith in is fleeting yeah. and but then, in the end it's all burned up it's all burned away and the only thing left in the end are the few and I mean few because no matter what we do good for God mm-hmm. nine times out of ten we have that intention in our own to bring us something good on our part it's not always just for god and so that very few things that are left are the things that we've actually done mm-hmm. for his kingdom yeah, exactly. but everything else is is it gets burnt up it's burnt up it's literally not even turned to ash but it's it's
0: vaporized yes like a, I think of a for those of you who don't understand that word um vaporization it's like it's like throwing hot
1: water in cold weather. I mean it's by the time when you throw it out, it whew, it's, it's a it's a it's a mirage. Exactly. It's not there. We see it. We it's almost like we can we can physically sink our teeth into it, but it's not there. Mm-hmm. Um talking about
0: that consuming flame, that both consumes part of the saved Christian but completely consumes that of one who's unsaved yes now I still believe and granted not this is I I don't say God says this but being still having that burned away can't exactly feel like a good feeling now part of me feels like it's a weight being taken off of you as if your clothes were wet and heavy. And somebody ripped them off of you. Or you can walk just a little faster. Yeah. Part of me feels that it can be that way. But with God's eyes being nothing but a pure consuming flame. That sin in you.
1: That's being it, burned away. It hurts. Has to hurt. It does. Because, because that sin is something that is a part of us. It's not something that just we grab on the side here and there and then put it back when we're done. That sin is an integrated part into us. You know, it's just like the old story of the the chisel and the sin, Mm -hmm. you know, that we give God the hammer, we give God the chisel, and if we allow him, he slowly begins to chisel that sin out of our out of our life to mold us and make us into the masterpiece that he's wanted us to be. But
0: any masterpiece. Look at the Taj Mahal. Look at the the paintings of Michelangelo. Takes patience. Takes patience and time. But even in that, he sweat. He had to engineer ways for him to get up there and paint. And can you imagine painting, like hanging that far from the ceiling, and just, oh well, painting. Yes. And, you know, I, I couldn't be, I couldn't relax enough to do it. No. And when it comes to, like, you seen the Statue of David?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That they got the veins in the hands, man. Mm-hmm. How with a chisel? Something that when you hit it with a hammer, it chips, it explodes. It's like a pickaxe. That's why it's the best tool for exactly. breaking a stone because that such a high impact
1: in one small area creates a, a ripple effect and therefore the only one ever to pull off such a feat is the master sculptor mm-hmm. and but do even... not forget michael that
0: that our god is what a very skilled um, handyman <laughs> indeed uh uh-huh. what do you, and here's something for for those people and I'm not saying that space is not an ever-expanding thing however the universe has been measured God measured it with his tape roller yes. and said yeah it's good to me so it's measured that tells me that there we are in a bubble that though God is expansive and, and beyond space beyond
1: time beyond everything beyond everything everything yes um, it's where everything still has a measure
0: because it's material it's physical yeah But so God what do they call it metaphysical yeah. or something like that yeah he's you can touch him but you can't at the same time exactly. I can hold Jesus' hand right now and he and he say heal me it's like who was it to Peter no 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 Thomas Thomas he said look Doubting put, your, Thomas.
1: put your finger Touch me. I'm here. Jesus, if you say it's you, I want to need evidence. I'm going to need those uh, those scars. I'm going to need to see those scars and I'm going to need to feel those. Oh, you have a little faith. Have I not already told you that this would be so? Have I not walked you step by step, held your hand as if you were a little baby, taught you how to walk, taught you how to ride that bike where you could stay on? And then now you're riding the bike, and you're saying, "How is this bike staying up on its own? Have I not already showed you these things?" Fun fact: By laws of physics, a bike should not be able to function. Exactly. Neither shouldn't Apache helicopter. Neither but should it, a bumblebee be able to fly. Uh huh. Because their bodies are too fat. Exactly. But it does, and you know why? Because God says so. Because God is not <laughs> with strain, is uh-huh. not constrained by the measure measures in which man, of man creates. Exactly. Exactly. And which
0: is also one of my biggest issues with theological scholars and things like that because I, I, I'm in, when I say in seminary school, I'm not currently doing my homework. I will say that I'm not doing <laughs> it. I'm not because I don't care. It's not that I don't care. It's that it asks me questions on the test. <coughs> Excuse me. What
1: did Pastor so and so say that changed your life? Or how did he put it? I see I see where you're going. And it with aggravates this. me. Cause what does Pastor so and so have to do with my salvation? I don't care. Does it matter what Pastor Leroy Bobby Joe Jenkins says? And, and pardon me if there is any Pastor Leroy Bobby Joe Jenkins out there. But what does it matter? what he says what he does what he tells me that my jesus says when i can go straight to my jesus and ask my jesus what is the truth what does it matter what they worry about what they say and you know the measure of man i'm i'm i know you're supposed to take dreams and
0: stuff like that with a grain of salt because they're not a measure of evidence i am convinced however that God did speak to me in that dream that I told you about. That's the only time God has ever said anything other than, than riling up the Holy Spirit to like shoot something up in my head. You, ever, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. You've been through that experience. I know. You remember when I, when I prayed when my wife left? Yeah. I said, God, if the one time you can talk to me, whilst I'm not, while I'm awake, if it's the one time you can speak to me, I need it now, and by the, by the time there was a period at the end of that sentence, it felt like a like the Holy Spirit burped and it come
1: up out of me, and it was like, she's not coming back. Right. She's lost. She's gone. But you know, that, that, that's funny that you bring that up though about the, the God speaking to us. And and but, I know so many people say it though, and, and I know that God does not. And I'm not going to say God cannot. And I'm not going to say God will not. But I'm just saying God does not, as he did in the Old Testament days, or even as he did through Jesus in the New Testament days, God does not speak audibly to us anymore. But God speaks to us. Now, sometimes we just fail to hear the truth of God's message and what he's speaking to us because we really don't want to hear what he has to say. Well, you think about it. Even the Bible itself said, what the stones will cry out to me. Uh, All of nature, when you hear that annoying uh, woodpecker, he's praising God all the way. He's praising God. Man, you look at the devastation that goes on around our world, natural devastations. Yeah. fires, lands, uh, to tornadoes, hurricanes. Now, the book of Nahum says that in the last days, God has His way in the whirlwind; that the clouds are the dust of His feet. Okay, so God controls that, but God's creation—not just us, but God's creation, the earth itself—is crying out for its Creator. I want you to grasp something here.
0: I'm sure you've thought of it before. Why are, other, other than the an, uh, the animals that have been domesticated by us, see, boy, boy. Oh. Um, other than the animals that we have domesticated, well, I still can't get the chair. <laughs>
1: um,
0: why is it that animals run when they see us? Why is it that the squirrel won't hop on your shoulder and say, you're having a pretty good day now? I don't know. I'm from full. Look at my cheeks. Exactly. <laughs> I look goofy, don't I? You know, they're not... They, and you know something? If I was a squirrel and I'd have known what Adam and Eve did, I wouldn't talk to them. They run I, wouldn't, it. I wouldn't go to their church. I wouldn't hang out in their tree. Ah, absolutely not. And so that's why the snake strikes. That's why the lion will chew our head off. That's why there's a system. Even think about it, Michael, if, if there's no creator, if there is no designer or director, the swamps clean our water systems naturally. Salt water, and then it goes to freshwater and the deltas and it breaks it up, and guess what? It feeds the coral reefs. People, these evolutionists, well, the ecosystem, that's a mutual relationship, and that's that kind of relationship. Why do they have relationships? Why does the clownfish hang around a barracuda? Why does the why does the sucker fish who is prey for the shark, if it should come near its jaw, latch onto the shark and catch a free meal every now and then? Right. They're they're surviving too. I mean, the thing right. is, is that we have and I say we it wasn't my direct action, but I am a son of Adam and Eve. Absolutely. And because of that, and the Bible says itself, because of that we are born wretched. And that's it. You know, um, oh, we talked about one time how there's some really ugly animals. Oh yeah, some yeah. nasty ones that hang out at the bottom of the ocean. Right. I, don't, I don't, We talked about this before. Earth was beautiful. It even talks about, you know, there was a, a mist, a haze over the entire Earth, and the, the air was perfect temperature. The the you know, there was no need. There was no need. Go explore. Have fun.
1: Subdue the earth. I've made it for you. Absolutely. That's what God said. Have fun. Of your seven, eight, nine hundred years that you're going to live here, <laughs> yeah. have fun. Enjoy. Take and eat of anything that you wish. Just not of that tree. Just not that one. Now.
0: Just not that one. Now, can you believe? You see, we want to get mad at Adam and Eve, right?
1: We do. And I am. <laughs> Why? We're no different? Exactly we're no different God says you can have everything in me but hold on God knew from the
0: foundations of the earth my name and what I would be called that's right so God gave us a choice because of love and free will to oh. govern ourselves there's that word that free, free will word. I use it I I, I try to say preordained ordained or predestined to do so I, I've, I've had a few people laugh and gawk at me over that and I'm like well it's true and they're like are you some kind of Calvinist no I don't associate with some man's idea Exactly. of what, how God works however I do agree with a lot what he says
1: that he very well obviously has learned from scriptural study I mean I hear that a lot how can we actually have free will if god has already predestined and already pre-knows who's going to accept him think about this as a relationship between a father and its child if you knew your child was going to do something horrific Uh would you love him anyway or would you stop loving him because you know what i can't love you no more son because i know that you're going to do this down the road so I don't love you anymore no. we always have that love and that's the same thing with God God knows that we are going to screw up God knows that we are going to lose it and totally mess up his perfection Yeah. but he loves us anyway there's some, pe- there's some people who believe that they can affect God's plan as we learn today in church and that's
0: not true but let me tell you something talking about that it's almost like a simulated uh, free will so to speak it's because we have the power. I have the power right now to take all my clothes off and go run in the woods. No, please don't. And God's not going to, you know, God's not going to stop me from doing it. I mean, it's the Holy Spirit's going to say, wouldn't recommend it, buddy. But I could do it right now. But the point is, God still knew I was going to do it. That still means he's in control. Exactly. And, you know, it's, it, I, I had somebody say something I'm trying to remember. He said, if that's the case, then Jesus did not die for me. I said, no, he did. But he also knew that there would be those who will accept and those who will not. And he says, well, that's not fair because God's creating people who aren't going to believe. I said, you're not listening to me. It's offered. But he still knows at the end of the day who will accept and who will not. It's up to that person, but at the same
1: time, God knows that there will not be a day where they will come to God. If I take a $20 bill and lay it down in front of me with a sign that says free take it." There's going to be somebody walk by that's going to look at it and not take it. There's going to be many that come by that, oh, yeah, let me take that. But then if they take it and I look at them and say, you know what? I changed my mind. I I want that back. No. Then it's no longer a free gift. But there's still going to be somebody, many somebodies that come along and say, you know what? No, I'm not going to take that because there's a catch. And I'm going to let you know right now, when God offers you this free gift, there is a catch. There is a catch. The catch is that now you will be changed. You have to accept a level of accountability for yourself. But it is not just that.
0: What does God also tell us? Oh, granted, yeah, your salvation is good and free, and I died for you. But by the way, you become a target. Mm. For I did not come to bring peace. But division uh-huh. like a sword vision sword separates things in uh-huh. a very very abrupt and violent way very much so um, god can whip people out of the, uh, the temple i'm sure he could slash some things too see our god the thing is though is that people say well god kills people and it causes famine and stuff it's not a very good and kind god the difference is we don't understand because God's anger and judgment is righteous. Their, their language is, is not.
1: The language is wrong on that, on those parts, because God doesn't cause the bad. God has never caused anything bad.
0: You notice how
1: God every, allows.
0: Yes, but how every time it's a consequence. Every time there is a reason. What was it, Joseph? And here's the thing. God also causes us to be wise. He's not going to give us all the answers. But he says, um, and about seven, there's going to be about seven months coming up, Joseph. Um, which, by the way, Pharaoh's going to basically let you take his spot. But that's besides the point. Right. Um, there's going to be seven months of famine. And then he walks away. And so Joseph's like, well, people don't need to starve. So I'm going to hoard some food up as much as I can.
1: That's right.
0: But that's that's a godly thing, too. Some people want to lay catatonic and look, make God tie their shoes for them and walk them down the hall and up the steps and down the steps. But here's the thing. what if, Even what Pastor John said, God is too good of a cod and too loving to leave you in the state that you are. Exactly. As a baby Christian, I needed milk from the teat. Like, I wish I had a, a just a... I'm going to say this probably regret it. Just like some wise Christian just covered and other Christians just leeching it up. You know, I wish I could do it. And I kind of did that to you,
1: know? you. You did that a lot. I mean, what was it I always told you that you needed to put the bottle back in your mouth and yeah. trying to chew on the steak? Yeah, and I paid I mean, for it too. That, that as, a, as a newborn babe, you know, the new Christian desires the milk of the Word. You have to understand. And, and that's one of the problems with the world today is people don't understand. They try to jump to the end and act like they know what happened in the front and the beginning. Because you have to understand, you have to get the milk, the essential, the mm-hmm. core mm-hmm. of God's message mm-hmm. before you can break out into eschatology and, and and all the other ologies that are in the religion stuff. Divination. and And because all that's good and all that's great... But none of that matters if you don't understand the core principle that God come to die. God came for you. He died, he rose, and he's coming back. Absolutely, brother.
0: Absolutely. That's it's that easy. Absolutely. That's easy. And that in itself is so convicting in itself. Word. Why you wanna tell me we have an evil God? Why would he himself for the choice that he already knew from the beginning of time, mind you, a lot of people don't understand the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament is Jesus. You know, the man who, the angel who wrestled, what was his name, Israel? Jacob, yep. Jacob, well, his, his name was later changed to Israel. Yep, Israel. But who do you think that was? Mm-hmm. Who do you think wrestled? My Jesus cooks breakfast, stands on the shore, doesn't tell Peter or nothing, but sets himself far enough out of their peripheral, and they go, who's that? They go up there... While they're hopping off the boat and they're fishing, they're all crying. They're upset because yeah.
1: like, Jesus is gone. What are we going to do? What do we do now? That's I think that's what Peter said. Now what? Yeah. And Jesus like, y'all ate yet? Y'all
0: hungry? <laughs> I got some. Y'all want a bite?
1: <laughs> like that's exactly. How,
0: just like Pastor John. He says, don't you see I'm trying to take a nap when the boat was rocking? And he's right. like, you understand me. You call me Messiah. You call me teacher. I'm sleeping. Leave me alone. That's right. You know who I I've am, so i why do you this? or asleep, I've got this. I'm, and part of me fears, and I'm so thankful that even though these times are terrible, the truth is, Michael, they've always been terrible. Always. It's just how it's our perspective. Yes. But I'm so thankful I wasn't there in those moments because I'd really hate my name to be written down for people to read thousands of years later and say, Dylan,
1: Dylan Baines, son of Bill. James uh, said, uh, "Jesus, such and such," or, and then Jesus
0: says, "Begone from me, Satan!" I'd be embarrassed. Yes, exactly. But anyway, you know, it's and that's the thing too. That's how you know it's not a lie, because quite honestly, if somebody was posting news articles about me, I'd say, ah, that "Ain't true." Even if it was, I say, "Man, that ain't true. I,
1: ain't I never ain't.
0: did that." He needs to shut his mouth. But quite honestly, imagine, and you know how Peter was
1: left it he left it in there in the bible saying he himself denied Jesus he denied Jesus not only did deny it but he cursed while he did it now you tell me you tell me
0: that a god that does not change people why man you ever notice every Christian every good saved Christian who's not who's closer to God than maybe some others you know but they crucify themselves. i will sit here i've preached sermons a few where i've said guess what i did last week i cussed i said the f word yes i I sat i stubbed my toe and i said well i'll be a son of a yep and i said it and i've told it in front of people before and I'm, i'm not ashamed of it because i know jesus has already taken it from me and asked for forgiveness before i even asked
1: god is there Absolutely and he says, "I put it as far from the east as the west, moreover, ever never meeting, and it's which, aka infinite, infinitely away from God." Yes. And I'm not
0: ashamed that. Well, am I? Am I ashamed of it? Yes. But the very moment you are forgiven of your sins, boom, boom, boom. Guess what? I I said something rude to somebody. Well, shouldn't have done that. Forgive me, Lord. It's as simple as that. It's granted, as simple as that. And forgive me, Lord. And, and guess what? All your sins gone again. So guess what? Today's a new day. So if you get anything out of it, what was it that the 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 the, the, the whore, the uh, the prostitute?
1: Well, no, she wasn't a prostitute, was she? She was a woman at the well. She had multiple husbands. The woman, well, she was divorced five times. Oh, correct. She was divorced five times. You know, because a lot of people get this misconception that, you know, if you're not perfect, and if you've been married and you're divorced, and you're married and divorced, you you married and divorced. You can't serve God if you've been, if you are ever, in your point, ever been addicted to anything. You can't serve God. Mm -hmm. If I mean, David, the man after God's own heart, was an adulteress. Adulterer. But what did Jesus say? Abram. What was he? Abram. A yeah. pimp daddy. <laughs> Had man, wives. Sub wives. Noah. What was Noah? Yeah. What was Noah? He was like I was in my yeah. past. He got drunk? He was an alky. Yeah. A big time. Yeah. Noah would wake up just to drink. Yeah. But <laughs> guess what? God calls. Not the ones who are already pre-qualified. He qualifies. For we know that all things work together for the good, to those who are called according to... His will. His will. Mm -hmm. His purpose. Not ours. It has nothing to do with us. Where was it written that it even says that that God benefits
0: from the sinner? That God benefits from a Christian who is saved who sins? Because it's another thing he has to forgive and it glorifies his name. Exactly. That uh, doesn't mean, well,
1: if that's the case, I'm going to go on a sin and rampage today. Praise the Lord. That's right. No. I've got sh- my get out of hell <laughs> free card. <laughs> but it shows that either way, God's still got you. God's got it. And you know, Michael, that, and Pastor John showed
0: this to me. I was upset because I was concerned about my son. After the divorce and the things that she was teaching him and whatnot, which I don't mean to speak ugly about publicly, but I'm just telling the truth. You know, God has divorced child insurance. I, I don't have to, I don't have time today to go over. Maybe one day we will. But it blew my mind. I was like, "You kidding me? God protects the children of, of the stupid people who want to get divorced." Yes. I mean, He says, "Well, granted, though, that child of that divorce will have life. I will yes. give him life." Now, granted, I don't mean I don't know if that means that those children who are divorced will be saved or will be led to be saved and eventually will accept it. I don't know that. But I do know, say, that God says, I will give them life. Yes. And, you know, it's as simple as that. But what did Jesus say to the woman at the well? And that's the key. True repentance isn't saying, I'm sorry, and then five minutes later do it again. Repentance is saying... And, and sometimes you, there's people for example we talk about porn I was I was reading a man's post he said I'm not I'm so convicted of porn he says I know I have an addiction he says and I'll go four months and I'll be like yes absolutely I'm, thank you Lord and praying man getting through it thank you and he falls four months later and then he falls again repentance in itself and what did Jesus say go and sin no more so essentially that repentance and that forgiveness which goes hand in hand you have to your goal must to be not to fall to it again and as the holy spirit the holy spirit will babysit you as pastor johnson even said today walk your hand and say he'll tell you don't touch it just like i was telling tristan when we were looking at the horses he was, he was going to put his hands on the electric fence i yeah, said don't that, touch that. it Um. guess what? He could bust out of that house right now,
1: go run to the horses, and walk right into it. The old old burner on the stove. Don't touch that. That's hot. Don't touch that. That's hot. Don't. Oh, I told you. Don't touch that. That's hot. When you saw him today, he rolled his eyes at me. Exactly. I tried to hug him. We're no different when it comes to to what Jesus tells us. You're absolutely right. You know, we're no different. With that being said, it's getting late. This is now going 46 minutes, if you could
0: believe it. I got to get the kid home and this has been wonderful michael yes Uh, hopefully something granted with the exception of the um, commonplace disaster or tragedy that seems to happen quite often
1: you know something to get in the way that you know I, i do believe satan does those things and his demons will sit there and roll a boulder in front of the path brother if i didn't have some kind of tragedy going on i would begin to worry because i would think the satan wasn't worried with me no more yeah and that should concern you more, more so if satan's not on your back you <laughs> might you must want to be reevaluate your life with yeah. jesus because he's not worried about you if he's not bothering you
0: exactly well i hope this can be a continual thing every sunday i think that this conversation alone can even wake a lot of people up absolutely with uh, that being said i love you and Probably going to take some of that meatloaf home if I can. Absolutely, man. And, uh, <laughs> Enjoy it.
1: Dear me. Oh, I shouldn't say that. No, oh, he doesn't use no, the D word. I done word. said it. I done said it. Oh. People, you
0: need to try it. You need to just come over to Michael's and try it. Anyway, we will call it quits, and we'll be back on the next episode. I like this environment out here, man. It's real relaxing. This is nice. This is relaxing. Love you, folks. Absolutely. We'll see you on the next one.